Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The items are no longer in the rules committee. So one, it violates the rules committee and the open hey, meetings. Ben, extended there. stop listening to the city council meeting. It was days I love ago. That particular exchange so much. My gosh, Michelle Harris explaining why I don't know what she was explaining, but Anthony Beale didn't like it. So anyway, neither here nor there. D, focus, Ben, focus. If you want the details on the latest Chicago City Council meeting, go check out our episode with the one, the only Dave Glowatz. All right, ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. Go check it out. All right, but hey, on to today's show, your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, January 7th, is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own, yeah, the guy you're going to hear from here shortly, Ben Jarofsky. Yeah. Ben, in fact, tell everybody about your latest column, because i uh, got to go grab my computer charger. Yes, uh, my latest column uh, is an explanation. Something we talk about on the show a lot, uh, the, the Republican Party's attempt uh, to deal with MAGA. One way or the other, either corral MAGA uh, and just ride it to victory, or kind of just like navigate their way around it. Uh, Rodney Davis versus Mary Miller, two incumbent congressmen or congresspeople uh, running against each other in the Republican primary for the uh, 15th uh, congressional district. The Democrats successfully gerrymandered uh, the congressional map in such a way that they forced these two incumbents to battle against each other. Mary Miller, who's best known for saying Hitler was right, that was her quote, Reminded me, by the way, of, uh, I just saw this uh, Larry David show, D. It was hilarious. Uh, but it, one of the aspects of the Larry David show, it's like a year old, was uh, a man whose dog, a German Shepherd, was named Adolf. Uh, and when the dog would growl at Larry David, presumably because Larry David is Jewish, if Larry David said, Heil Hitler, the dog would calm down. Uh, so uh, anyway, it's then... <laughs> Larry David asked the guy, why would you train your dog to do this? Anyway, uh, so Mary Miller, uh, of course, said uh, Hitler was right. Uh, and then she blamed uh, the blowback that her comment uh, received on leftists. And then finally, grudgingly, she offered a, uh, a quote-unquote apology uh, that more or less blamed everything on leftists again. So she's running uh, for re-election against uh, Rodney Davis, who is just one of these quote unquote moderates, D, who's trying to pretend as though the Trump revolution is not occurring. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, I don't know. Who is that? the 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 Congre- the uh, gubernatorial candidate? Oh, Ray Bine. Ray Bine was the one who said, I don't know. Was the election stolen? Who knows? Did Joe Biden win? I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know. And he, he's not smart enough to know that, but he's smart enough to be governor of the state of Illinois. A lot of courage there, Rabine. A lot of courage there, uh, Republican Party in general. But um, 
anyway, Mary Miller uh, versus Rodney Davis. And I explain what's going on in that one. Try to have a little fun with it, too, D. It's the latest column from Ben Jarofsky, ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A, V is in victory, S-K-Y. It is Friday, January 7th, and pre-recorded from my apartment and his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show's Oh, what a week. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Larry David for President Friday, and here's why. I just mentioned Larry David D, and I just popped in my head. You know, I am just... I'm so troubled by where we're going politically as a country. You and I were just talking about how confused and disorganized and divided our country is even something as basic as what to do about COVID. Uh, I'm escaping more and more by watching old Larry David episodes. I just randomly put them on. There's no rhyme or reason to it. I'm not following in any order, particular order. You don't have to for Larry David. Curb your enthusiasm is the name of the show. I prefer to call it the Larry David show. And David, there's uh, Dave. I called you David. Dennis, there's just something about Larry David and his just utter indifference to the protocols of life that I find oddly reassuring uh, at, at these moments, uh, these dangerous moments that we're living in. He's just utterly indifferent to any of the conventions that you're supposed to, um, you know, abide by. For instance, the the episode I saw last night, his friend had died and so at the funeral larry david starts picking up the widow did you ever see that one where he starts picking up the you know it's like putting the moves on the widow no uh because she heard her friend told him before he died that uh his wife who's now his widow uh has a magical vagina and so larry david is like wow i gotta see what that means and anyway it's i just find it just somehow or other it gets me away uh, from the utter madness of life but then this podcast, my column, my life takes me right back to the madness. Do you think you can escape that madness by watching Larry David? Ha! Wake up in the morning, bright and early at nine. Yeah, that's what time I got <laughs> up today. I know it was ungodly early. Get back there and read about all the craziness that exists in the universe. Make sense of it if you can. So anyway, that's where we are today. It's uh, oh, what a week. Without further ado, I'll turn things over to the distinguished young man from Alton, Illinois. And the nickname is really catching on. Wherever he goes, people go, DeMarvelous, can I have your autograph? Yeah, everywhere <laughs> I go. In the kitchen, hey, DeMarvelous. <laughs> In the bathroom, hey, DeMarvelous, get out of there. Yes. I don't go anywhere, man. <laughs> I know. Oh, no, that's not true. Well, until the cold came. Oh, so freaking cold out. Oh, it's brutal. It's did you do your walk? But people don't know this about young Dennis. He takes a really long walk every day, or what had been taking one every day before we do our show. Not during this. Not during this. No. Well, I'd like to tell you. Last night I was out there walking. Man, it was cold. Uh, I was so cold. I started running. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Without further ado, the young man from Alton, Illinois, the man we probably call Doctor D, with oh what a week. Oh, hey, thanks. I don't know. I'm more of a Seinfeld kind of guy. That is correct. (laughs) 
I don't know, man. It's hard to top Larry David. All right, that's a that's a conversation for another time. Okay, which better, Larry David or uh, Seinfeld? I'm going Larry David. L. Day. Oh, come on, JB Smoove is so funny. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? And happy New Year, Ben. How's your New Year going? All seven days of it. How's it been? Well, except for the parts where I'm watching the Bulls or Larry David, lousy. Oh, well, he's honest. <laughs> it's cold, and the world is utterly insane, including our little corner of it in Chicago, which I know we'll discuss uh, in a little uh, while. But uh, anyway. Well, let's find out what happened in Chicago and or Illinois this week. Big news in Chicago politics as Congressman Bobby Rush announced his retirement. The former Black Panther, ex-Chicago alderman, member of Congress and minister told the Chicago Sun-Times on Monday that he will not seek another term. Rush, first elected to Congress in 1992, said in an interview he intends to stay active in his ministry and find ways to use his remarkable life story. This was like the beginning of the week. Ben, your thoughts when you first heard this. Man, this was, you know, I told you uh, earlier today, D, it just shows you how, like, how much news there's been in this week that that seems like ancient history. But you're right. When I woke up, was it Monday or Tuesday, whatever it was, that's all I could think of. Wow, Bobby Rush, uh, what an institution he is, politically speaking, in the city of Chicago. And the way the way it goes politically in Chicago, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you're an aspiring politician in Cook County, city of Chicago, Congress. It's like, that's, that's like the promised land. You've reached that. And it's, it's like the bulls making it to the uh, championship. You know what I mean? It's like, it's really what they aspire for. Even Barack Obama aspired for it. He lost, he wanted to go to Congress uh, and he lost to Bobby Rush, of course. And, and part of the reason why it's so alluring is that it gets you out of Chicago. And don't kid yourself, Chicagoans, your elected fish officials, their goal in life is to get as far away from you as they can. Because one, your politics are insane. They make no sense. And number two, it's so freaking cold out there. <laughs> Chicago. So, yeah, I just think of all these Chicago and then they act like they love Chicago so much. Uh, Mike Quigley in the 5th Congressional District. Jan Schakowsky in the 9th Congressional District. Danny K. Davis in the 7th Congressional Always going on and on how they love Chicago. If you love it so much, how come, how come you got out of here as soon as you can? Yeah, answer that question. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah, can't answer it, can you? Rahm Emanuel. That man barely was here. He was here for eight years. The only time Rahm Emanuel was here was when he was elected mayor of the city of Chicago. Dummies in Chicago. Elected him twice. So, yes, anyway, so but with Bobby Rush stepping down, that leaves a seat open. It's wide open. Every politician on the south side of Chicago, which is essentially uh, the heart of the first congressional district, is aspiring for that seat. Uh, and uh, Lord knows who's going to win it eventually. But that was my first thought. Like, uh, those two thoughts. One, the end of a great legacy, uh, just just. Bobby Rush is just a fixture uh, in my mind, politically speaking. It's hard to imagine a world where he is not uh, a uh, congressman in it. Uh, and then uh, secondly, the, um, the the scramble to fill that seat. Uh, and, I, you know, D, it was such a big news. Uh, was it two? You said Monday or Tuesday. I can't remember when. But it was like two days and it's sort of receded. But it's 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 still very important. It's still very uh 
uh, very important uh, political story, and we'll be talking about it, I know, a lot, if not just today, uh, in the coming weeks. Well, yeah. Now, take us back to when uh, maybe you first heard of Bobby Rush. I mean, because let's not beat around the bush. You're old. I'm sure you remember this, right? Oh, my goodness. Do I? Thank you for setting me up this way. There's no pre-show prep on this one, ladies and gentlemen. That was a great move by Dr. D. What, you're old? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do that all the time. You're welcome. I'll, you know, anytime uh, you need me to tell you're old. You know, it's so funny now. I'm so old that like Monroe Anderson makes fun of me for being old. Did you notice that the other day mm-hmm. Monroe was making fun of me for? I'm like, hey, wait a minute, you're older than I am. <laughs> anyway, I am old, ladies and gentlemen. I am so old that I remember when Bobby Rush was in the Black Panther Party, and I remember after Fred Hampton was killed uh, by the Chicago police in conjunction with the FBI and the state's attorney's office. Just pause to think about that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, MAGA, you think you got you got it bad. I didn't hear, by the way, any of MAGA people objecting uh, to that uh, political assassination. But anyway, I remember that Bobby Rush had to go into hiding afterwards. I remember as a little kid in Evanston, and I was obsessively following politics. Even then, can you imagine little me reading the newspaper? Daddy, what's going on? Like, what is happening in the city of Chicago? And I'm reading this, and it was like really grabbed my imagination. But on one hand, I'm a little white kid. It's scary. The Black Panthers. You know, they're talking about political revolution. Scared the hell of me. I'm not going to pretend, folks, that I was one of these white guys who even then goes, yeah, right on, man. No, I was scared. But at the same time, I was intrigued because I kind of believed their what they were saying was true. Take kind of out of it. I did believe it. But they were saying was true. And I like to think that if I were a young black kid, I'd have the guts to be in the Black Panther Party or to be a supporter of the Black Panther Party. So I was obsessively following it each detail and Bobby Rush went into hiding and then he emerged from hiding with Jesse Jackson. Yes, that Jesse Jackson, Reverend Jesse Lewis Jackson was a powerful uh, person in the city of Chicago back in 1969 and 1970. And so he was uh, the man who took sort of Bobby Rush, uh, Bobby Rush emerged publicly with uh, Jesse Jackson because they were seriously afraid that, he would be killed by the FBI, the Chicago police, the Cook County state's attorney's forces, a combination of all three of them. So I, I remember that very clearly. And what struck me about Bobby Rush is that he didn't come across as a firebrand. He was even soft-spoken then. He was not like Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton was a powerful orator and just like a really charismatic figure. And, and Bobby Rush wasn't uh that way. And then I kind of watched Bobby Rush's uh, as he moved more to the mainstream and he ran for alderman in 1983. I remember it so well. He was victorious uh, against a guy named William Barnett. I may be the only person in the city of Chicago who can tell you uh, who Bobby Rush beat. That's uh, probably a cry for help D, as much as anything else. And um, I remember interviewing him back then. It was kind of an awe. Like, this is Bobby Rush. This is like Fred Hampton's chief aide. His ally, you know, and uh, he was very soft-spoken, very kind, uh, you know, decent guy, not a uh, big ego or anything. And um, so, yeah, those are, uh, he became one of uh, Harold Washington's biggest allies. He was victorious because of Harold Washington. The Harold Washington movement uh, swept from office a lot of the incumbent a black alderman who had been supporters of Mayor Burns is ancient history. And Bobby Rush was the beneficiary of that. He became the alderman of the second ward. Wow. 
it's kind of hard to believe that the second ward is now represented by Brian Hopkins. Whew. Chicago has changed politically, demographically in so many ways. Just think about that, ladies and gentlemen. Brian Hopkins, chief architect uh, in the city council of the uh, Lincoln Yards TIF deal, ushered through the city council at uh, Rahm's past the um, $1.3 billion, with a B, dollar handout uh, to a developer to build a high-end uh, housing in an already gentrifying area. Uh, taking that money from poor neighborhoods, taking that money from the public schools, taking that money from people who really need it. It's the exact opposite of everything that Fred Hampton represented, that Bobby Rush represented, that Harold Washington represented. So you could argue uh, ultimately that uh, the people who killed Fred Hampton were triumphant. You could make that argument if you wanted to be really cynical and depressed. And I'm trying to move away from that, okay? Because it's a very dark, cynical time. I'm trying to escape that by watching Larry David shows and not trying to go there. So I'm not going to go there at this moment. Just wanted to point out that that's the reality. The second ward, which used to be on the south side, has been uh, moved uh, on the map to essentially the north side and the Gold Coast. It is now represented by Brian Hopkins. So that's just a little trip down memory lane, D, uh, regarding Bobby Rush. My God, you're old. Okay. <laughs> I, I went and looked for some audio of Bobby Rush. Uh, I found uh, audio from nine years ago. Here's Bobby Rush. Uh, it says here, kicked off the House floor for wearing a hoodie in oh, support in support of Trayvon Martin. Just because someone wears a hoodie does not make them a hula. And he's wearing a hoodie. The Bible teaches us, Mr. Speaker. In the book the of Michael 668, the member will suspend. These words. The, the member will These suspend. words. He the has member, shown you, old man. The member will what is suspend. Good, the chair must remind what does the not, of What does the Lord require of you but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? And in the New Testament, Luke 4, 4, 18 to 20, teaches us these words. The Spirit of the, the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the, the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners Never and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. I urge all who hear these words to heed these lessons. May God the bless Trevon no Martin's recognized. soul, his family. The member is no longer recognized. Wow. Uh, great trip down memory lane there, D. You picked that one out. And I think that back then the uh, Republicans held the House, so it would have been John Boehner would have been the Speaker. And I just want to contrast that uh, that moment, how outraged they were because he wore a, a hoodie with what happened a year ago. The whole thing was invaded by hordes of hoodie-wearing people. Lots of, lots of MAGA people wear hoodies. You notice that, D? And it's funny, Republicans weren't complaining when MAGA came in with their hoodies took over the house, chased all the congressmen underground, all the senators underground. A lot of, a lot of congressmen are calling them heroes. But, uh, yeah, Bobby Rush trying to get uh, uh, Republicans to um, sort of heed his call by quoting the Bible. Man, that, I don't think that's going to work, uh, Congressman Rush. I don't think that's going to work. But, yeah, give him credit, D, for uh, taking that stand. Nine years ago. Wow. 
was it nine years ago? Yeah. So if, let me do the math. Hold on there. Carry the one. Uh, that would have been around 2000. Well, 2012, 2013. Exactly. God damn, am I good at math? No, nah, you're not. <laughs> you're really not. But that was good, though. Yeah. That was a good clip. Good. Uh, remember, I remember when he did it. I remember when he wore the hoodie. I definitely do it. That, and, uh, and by then he had already, um, I think he was already a uh, minister. So, again, he's preaching the good word uh, to the Republicans, not having a lot of success at, at getting them to accept it. I don't know if the Bible's the way to go, uh, Congressman Rush, uh, to convince Republicans to do the right thing. I quite don't know if you can convince a Republican to do the right thing uh, anymore. And it didn't look too um, it didn't didn't look too possible back in 2012 either. Now, the last thing I remember uh, about Bobby Rush was uh, that popcorn gate. Did, we, did Bobby Rush ever say anything about that or what was? Oh, my God. We talked about that a lot. When, and, I, and I was just discussing this. Who was I having the conversation with? I can't remember who was having the conversation with. I don't recall a resolution to that. Popcorn Gate, of course, uh, was the incident that took place uh, in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder. Uh, there was rioting uh, throughout the south side of Chicago and uh, throughout the city, actually. Uh, and uh, police officers took uh, over Bobby Rush's office. Uh, on the south side, I think it's an office right very close to um, the Dan Ryan Expressway. Uh, and they settled in for the better part of a night. Uh, and they were resting, and there was video of them resting in the office and they making popcorn, hence the popcorn gate uh, reference. And when it was all over, uh, Bobby Rush protested, said they had taken over his office, they disrespected his office, they trashed his office. He wanted an apology and investigation. Uh, Lori Lightfoot said she was outraged, and that sort of got them to put aside their differences, because if you recall, uh, Bobby Rush had very much supported Tony Preckwinkle in the runoff for mayor uh, the year before in 2019, uh, and had been really, um, his comments about Lori Lightfoot were perhaps the most inflammatory of anyone's. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's blood in the hands of any voter who votes for Lori Lightfoot, something like that. I'm doing this from memory. Uh, and uh, Lori Lightfoot, of course, uh, trounced uh, Tony Preckwinkle. Uh, I will point out the Chicago Teachers Union vehemently opposed uh, Lori Lightfoot and supported Tony Preckwinkle. But unlike with the Chicago Teachers Union, Lori Lightfoot was able to forgive and forget with Bobby Rush, uh, Dennis, and uh, which leads me to believe that she's tactical. Uh, in her attitudes toward people. Some people she will never forgive. I don't know why. I mean, I don't want to take this this trip into the psyche of Mayor Lori Lightfoot, but she will never forgive Stacey Davis Gates and to a lesser degree, Jesse Sharkey, heads of the Chicago Teachers Union. She will never forgive them. She She will never acknowledge them as like her equals as humans on this earth. She will never forgive Rob Martwick the uh, state senator, remember he had that confrontation with her? <clears throat> she just will never forgive him. Uh, has she forgiven Tony Preckwinkle? <laughs> to quote, you know, Kenny Davis. <laughs> Not sure. Or to quote Mike Flannery. <laughs> oh, yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> As Flannery would say, we. <laughs> If you ever go on his show, if you ever go back on that show, you have to let him hear that impression. You can't get a word in. Have you? You never been in the Mike Flannery show? No. 
Here we go. Dr. D. Is Lori Lightfoot right? Yes or no? And you're like, huh, you, you can't get the word in edgewise. And then he has another guest who's like talking over you. Yeah. It's like We're the- a warning. Don't go on that show with Greg Hines. That guy will just keep talking. Back to Lori Lightfoot. She's forgiven Bobby Rush, but she can't seem to forgive Stacey Davis Gates. Why what? is that, ladies and gentlemen? I appeal to you, my listener. Oh. Help me out here. Maybe it's because... Unlike Bobby Rush, she's not an elected political leader. So, what if Stacey Davis Gates were a congresswoman? Then. Whoa. Then. Then. (laughs) Wait, wait. The X-File music is surprisingly appropriate for this commentary. I'm not quite sure why. Uh, But that's a good point. And like to point out Lee Allen Jones, the guest on Wednesday's show, put forth her name. Stacey Davis Gates' name uh, to run for uh, Bobby Rush's seat. He thought that she would be a great candidate. Nope. I don't know if anybody else has joined uh, him in that uh, chorus, but um, uh, maybe uh, Lori Lightfoot would be compelled, you're right, to treat Stacey Davis Gates with a little more dignity and respect than she does now uh, because as a congressperson, it's important. You're right. You could be a status thing. I refuse to recognize you because you're not my equal. You're beneath me. You're like a staffer. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I mean, you know how she treats staffers. Remember that uh, shining memo? I forget what you mean. You will do what I say. You will do what I say. <laughs> she just kept repeating herself. And then she, she kind of played that one off as a joke, didn't she? I just joking around. Oh, God. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, she forgave uh, Bobby Rush and they joined forces on Popcorn Gate and uh, they're going to look into it. And Johnny Catanzara jumped into it uh, at one point. The uh, head of the Fraternal Order of Police, JC, is. His friends call him. I actually don't think anybody calls him JC. Um, and uh, he's, and then Napolitano, remember, oh my goodness, it's, it's flooding back the memories. Uh, Napolitano uh, did an interview, and in the back of, it was a Zoom interview, of course, because we're in COVID. Uh, in the back, there's a box of popcorn. Got sending a message. Very subtle there, uh, Alderman Napolitano from the northwest side of Chicago, ladies and gentlemen, a big supporter of the police. So I don't know. I can't recall. Maybe uh, there was a resolution to it. I just, I just cannot uh, recall whether there was, whether they came. What, what, was it a situation where the police were invited in to um, uh, stay in that office, or were they uh, unwanted uh, intruders, as Bobby Rush and Lori Lightfoot were saying? I don't recall, D, if that uh, if there was a resolution uh, to that. So it's like so many things in the city of Chicago. Headlines. And then we just move on, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, and then like, and then I'm I'm trying struggling to remember what the resolution is, and of course, you know, I'm getting older. There's so much stuff up there uh, as it is. That yeah. <laughs> I can't remember conversations I had. You know, people come on the show. They go, well, "Ben, as I told you last time," I'm like, well, "You know, I don't remember you telling me X Y Z last time," and so we have. <laughs> even if even if you did indulge me say one more time what you said uh but uh anyway so yeah uh popcorn gate and they, they were uh bobby rush and lori life were allied in that one yeah bob uh lori life it's surprisingly forgiving when it comes to bobby rush who said far worse things far worse things about her than uh stacy davis gates did or rob martwick no rough I will not forgive Stacey Davis Gates. Who will be running for Congress in place of Bobby Rush? 
Who knows? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Any predictions? Well, Any predictions? The, um, Pat Dow, older woman Pat Dow, the third ward. You knew that. I didn't even have to say it's juice in the third ward. Uh, was running for, oh, it's getting so confusing here, folks. Very confusing. She was uh, running for Secretary of State, uh, and as soon as Bobby Rush uh, announced he was not going to run again, she did a U-turn. That's the sound of her doing a U-turn. And now she's running for his seat. Uh, She's now suddenly being declared the uh, favored. Because remember, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to a Democratic primary or a Republican primary, but it comes to a Democratic primary in the state of Illinois, you only need to get more votes than anyone else. You don't need 50 percent plus one like in a mayor's race and you're victorious. So all Pat Dowell has to do uh, is to get all the people who voted for her for aldermen uh, in the last election who uh, and that may get her close to, well, no, probably not. But uh, the, the, the conventional theory is that because she was the most uh, prominent person of all the potential um, uh, candidates, uh, because by virtue of her campaign for sta- Secretary of State, she will be the front runner. So if you want a, the easy money in Vegas right now, Pat Da. But you know, D, it's... Campaigns are like basketball games. All right. And I forget how they're like basketball games. Oh, yes. Got to play the game. Got to play it to the end. You can't just declare a winner based on something you read in the Sun Times. That was a very John Madden esque uh, piece of <laughs> advice there. Here's the thing about football you play, and then after four quarters, it's over. It's over. It's, 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 it's a game. It's, 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 it's a game. With turkey. Uh, turkey. By the way, have you ever noticed that John Madden's cadence is not unlike Barack Obama's? Just going to throw that out there. They're, they're, I'm not saying the, the sound of their voice. Obviously, they have different sounds of their voice. But the c- c- cadence. Because I uh, respect Bobby Rush a lot for the life he's like, hey, we always agree to agree on everything. He, remember he endorsed William Daly for mayor? Remember that? Before we got to the runoff? Oh. Daly was his choice. I couldn't understand that one at all. At all, ladies and gentlemen. So we're not going to agree on everything. D, do I agree with my guests on everything? The answer is no. Many times I disagree with them, but I can still respect them. Got a lot of respect for Bobby Rush. I was urging police officers to vote for him in 1999 for mayor. <laughs> I wasn't very successful, but I was urging them. They were all mad at uh, Daly. Because Daly, once again, was uh, lagging on a contract, not giving him a contract. The games they play with police contracts. And uh, I go, vote for Rush. No way. I'm not voting for Rush. You know, because the Black Panther thing, D. So, that's Chicago, man. Divided. You know, we have our tribe. You have yours. That's how it is in the city of Chicago. <laughs> and you wonder why they can't wait to get out of here. Obama. Obama's like... How fast got it? Obama was in Chicago for let's figure it out. D. he got here at about 86, 87, around there, maybe 85. I don't know. Let's, let's say 86, cut it down the middle. Uh, and he <laughs> he ran for Congress in 2000. So he was here for 13 years. He was already trying to get out. Lost to Bobby Rush, successfully made the exit when he was victorious for Senate three years later. Has not looked back. Every now and then he comes back to Chicago. And Chicago was like, oh, my God, Obama's here. 
I'm a Chicagoan. But Bobby Rush says he's going to move back to Chicago. So unlike Obama, Bobby Rush will stay in Chicago. What do you say we move on to the Illinois governor? J.B. Brisker! <laughs> oh, Make hey now. Noise. Make some noise there. Oh, my. What is that? I think someone was doing karate there. All right. <laughs> Unlike that clip, a very low-key week for J.B. Pritzker because, well, he channeled his inner dentist and worked remotely from home <laughs> for most of the week. He did it out of an abundance of caution after having close contact with a state worker who tested positive for COVID-19. Pritzker tested negative for the virus Wednesday morning and has felt fine since being around the infected worker for more than 15 minutes Tuesday at the governor's Chicago office. Uh, J.B. Pritzker, and he's sort of been, was dragged away from his bunker or wherever he's staying uh, to protect himself from COVID. He, he's, he's sort of being dragged into uh, the feud, the spat, the fight between the Chicago Teachers Union and Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I don't know if you noticed this, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Darren Bailey, uh, the uh, leading candidate to replace uh, J.B. Pritzker. We'll probably get into this a little more. We talk about uh, Lord Lightfoot's uh, fight with uh, the Chicago Teachers Union. But Darren Bailey, who is as MAGA as they get, I would argue he's the maggiest MAGA uh, in the state of Illinois. He's definitely the maggiest uh, uh, candidate for governor of the state of Illinois. Uh, condemned the Chicago Teachers Union and praised Lori Lightfoot, which is, I guess, good news for Lori Lightfoot to get the all-important Republican vote in the city of Chicago. What is it, like 20% of the city votes Republican? So I guess that locks in uh, that vote uh, for her. Uh, and he said that uh, he stands with Lori Lightfoot uh, in the fight uh, with the Chicago Teachers Union uh, regarding um, keeping the schools open in the middle of this current COVID outbreak. Uh, and he denounced J.B. Pritzker for not doing more to force the Chicago Teachers Union to go back to work. And so that prompted uh, J.B. Pritzker. Well, I don't know if literally that prompted him. That's unfair. Let's edit that out. <laughs> Let's edit that out. Let's put it this way. Uh, soon thereafter, J.B. Pritzker, was, it was announced that he was appealing to the Biden administration to send Chicago the money we need to buy masks. We're going to get to this later, folks. <laughs> Why haven't we already purchased the masks? Don't understand this. Hello, COVID, it's here. You got to have a mask. So anyway, D, you know, he's, it's not that he's just sitting around watching old Larry David episodes. I just wanted to let you know that. Okay, he's not like me watching Larry David episodes. He's out there calling the Biden administration. All right, Dennis, let's get that straight. Well, I mean, I was going to say that he's in the metaverse hanging out. <laughs> oh, that, the, me the metaverse. By the way, I saw the Mark Zuckerberg metaverse announcement. I, I oh, saw it after. Really weird, right? Show. Very, yeah, very really phony weird. and just. Are you a robot, sir? That's what yeah. I thought when I went. Very fun. Well, pretty much everything. I shouldn't say anything bad about Mark Zuckerberg. He's like one of the richest guys in the world. Sort of like saying something bad about Jeff. Oh Bezos. yeah, we never trash rich people <laughs> on, the, on the show, do we? No. In fact, there may be some correlation to me. A, relentlessly trashing rich people and getting fired from my last radio gig. There may be a correlation there, D. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, that is really, truly one of the weirdest. The metaverse, the metaverse. 
Ooh. <laughs> well, I tell you, it kind of shows that Darren Bailey uh, ain't no dummy. I'm sure he saw the the stories about Pritzker and Lightfoot. Maybe at a uh, you know at a disagreement a bit uh, over text. Maybe Darren Bailey got in there. Maybe try to get the uh, support from Lori Lightfoot. Right? Yeah. Well, he knows he'll never get support from Lori Lightfoot. But right. what he's doing is uh, it's a wedge issue to wedge. You know, a uh, separation between uh, J.B. Pritzker and Lori Lightfoot and also position J.B. Pritzker as this like radical extremist like Chicago Teachers Union or Ben Jarofsky. You know what I'm saying? Like this wacky leftist. And so like all the good thinking people of, let's say, Naperville, hmm, I'm convinced he's two leftists. We'll go to we'll vote for the maggiest MAGA guy of all. You know, it's all that attempt to sort of like move the center further to the right. And I don't think it's going to work, but, you know, it shows that he's a politically astute guy. Remember when he came to Chicago? When I tangent went to the tangent. I don't know if you remember this. This was a news bit we did. Oh, yeah. He was in the porta potty. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. You know, the porta potty's still gone. Porta potty's gone. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Um, but DB, they had a rally. It was in the the start of the uh, pandemic. There was a rally at Buckingham Fountain. I can't believe I remember this. The things I remember, you know, I always complain about my memory, but I remember this. Uh, and he was saying he doesn't dislike Chicago, but he likened Chicago, as Darren Bailey did, to like unruly children. And every now and then you have to spank your child and punish your child to keep them in line. I'm like, what a way to appeal to Chicagoans. Come here, lies. Spank you. Yeah, that ought to get a lot of votes. The dominatrix vote in the city of Chicago. Come here. I'm going to spank you. Oh, Micah, where are we going with this? Where are we going? It's a great song by Donald Byrd and Marvin Gaye. Okay, well, I'll move on. Uh, Now, if I were one of the four people actively running to replace our Illinois governor in the upcoming election, while the governor is locked down in one of his eight houses, I would seize this moment and campaign like crazy. While everyone's in Illinois struggling, he's in his mansion watching Larry David or something like that, you know? (laughs) Sadly, nothing to report. Uh, We do have some happy non-political related news coming out of the 2022 Illinois gubernatorial race. Illinois Republican gubernatorial candidate Jesse Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully. No, not that guy who landed a plane in the Hudson River. That's Sully Sullenberger. Jesse Sullivan just had a baby. And it's a boy. Welcome to the world, Will Sullivan. You know, politically, uh, Jesse Sullivan and I do not see eye to eye. D, I'm taking the high road in this one and just offering him nothing but uh, best wishes. It was Jesse Sullivan on the birth of his son. I think it's his fourth kid. I read she at Capos, too. And uh, so uh, congratulations, uh, Sully, and hope all is well in the Sully household. Yes. Congratulations, Sully. Now, if you can just get one of those baby's first words to be Pritzker sucks right around election time, you got yourself a good PR story. You know what I mean? (laughs) That would be quite an accomplishment to get a baby to say Pritzker sucks. (laughs) But if anyone can do it, it's MAGA. Okay. Cuckoo caca, Pritzker sucks. Whoa, kid. Where'd you get that? Damn, can this baby be governor? Uh, I was just reading a, a book I heard a tangent with a tangent where there's a parrot uh, and the parrot really is annoying one of the characters in the book because he's repeating things that he's heard it's like a really smart parrot you know what I'm saying like so it's similarly a kid 
a, a baby who grows up in a household where everybody's ranting and railing about Pritzker, it's possible that their first construct would be along the lines of Pritzker duck, Pritzker, <laughs> as opposed to Dada, Mama, Bulls. Come on, Sullivan. Keep working at it. Pritzker sucks. Your baby's first words. Whoa, that would be huge. No other news to discuss involving the governor or his re-election race. So we're going to move right along to other election news. Ben, two questions. Number one, did you know that there are 174 days until the 2022 Illinois primary election? No, I did not know that. Well, it's true. And is it just me? Or does everyone love Alexi Janulius? My goodness. <laughs> They're rushing to him. Ever since the man announced that he is running for Illinois Secretary of State, it's the only thing these Illinois election junkies can talk about. Personally, I don't get it. Just some dude who sounds like Barack Obama. In many respects, uh, <laughs> a lot of people in this country uh, fear change. But there must be something we're not seeing here, Ben, because a new year means new endorsements for the Alexi Janulius campaign. In many respects, uh, a lot of people in this country uh, fear change. Not Barack Obama. That's actually him. Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle has endorsed Janulius. Former Senator Carol Mosley Braun, former Illinois Senate President Emil Jones Jr., State Senator Maddie Hunter has endorsed Janulius. Alderman Howard Brookings of the 21st Ward, Alderman Christopher Talafaro of the 29th Ward, and committee person Preston Brown Jr. Has, com- uh, has endorsed Alexi Janulius. The latest endorsements that also follow backing from labor unions, Cook County Democrats, and Representative Chewy Garcia. Former Democratic Congressman Jerry Costello is endorsing Alexi Janulius. Pat Dowell dropped out of the secretary race, as Ben mentioned. She's now running for Congress because of the news of Bobby Rush's retirement. But since Dowell has dropped out, some black elected leaders who had endorsed her in the secretary of state race are now backing Janulius. By the way, I've looked it up several times. It is Janulius. Also on the list of endorsers, uh, Congressman Bobby Rush, the guy we were just talking about. Bobby Rush endorsed Alexei Janulius. Other Democratic candidate endorsements. Here's a big one. Uh, Senator Dick Durbin endorsed Anna Valencia for Illinois Secretary of State. Durbin said, quote, she is part of the newest generation of Democrats who are critical to our future in this state. Now to the campaign cash for our Secretary of State candidates. Well, first and foremost, Alexi Janulius has amassed four million dollars. <laughs> Uh, ben, will $4 million be enough to run for Secretary of State? I, I, uh, it's outrageous. And you wonder why people are rushing to endorse him? Come on, listeners, don't be naive. This reminds me so much of uh, when J.B. Pritzker was running for governor uh, in 2018 and before the Democratic primary. Remember that, D? Pretty much everybody was rushing to endorse uh, Pritzker. And typical me. And this is this probably explains why I'm stuck in an attic as opposed to a palatial studio like uh, Joe Rogan. But typical me, I was like, if everybody's going to Rit Pritzker, I'm going to go the other way because it just doesn't seem right. You know, we should encourage, you know, just different voices, different faces, etc. So remember, I struggled day with who to vote for. Ultimately, I'm not happy. Here it is. Four years later, I'm still complaining that I voted for best. I should have voted for Diber like you did. But everybody was rushing toward Pritzker. It was the same thing. And I remember um, uh, 
who Terry Cosgrove telling me, you know, telling me that Ben, the guy's a billionaire. He could finance his own campaign. Duh. And there's no real difference on the policy issues. So it's a similar thing, D. You know, the Dems like, oh, this guy's going to win. His name may be hard to pronounce, but people recognize it. He's got all this money. There's going to be commercials. He's going to win. I want to go with a winner. I want to go with the winners in the world. And, uh, yeah, and Pat Dowell is probably so relieved that Bobby Rush is out of the race because, you know, she probably figured she wasn't going to win. And so now she's, uh, like, going to get all the support of the uh, Genulius voters uh, uh, for her congressional race, and her supporters are now free to go with the winner. So, you know, it's just rallying around the winner. And uh, I still, you know. I'm probably going to vote for David Moore, Alderman of the 17th Ward, like David Moore. Uh, so, you know, D. Ah, <laughs> oh, God. Always going with the. Oh, uh, another bad career decision. Not going with uh, Janulius, but uh, what can I tell you, D? I, uh, I don't know. Well, he just got $4 million. He could use some more. He could use your $25. I- I like to think of this as a job where you, what is this? When you're secretary of state, you should be a custodian of sorts. You know, looking out, just making sure your office is corruption free. That would be the ideal thing to shoot for in this state. Uh, and because uh, secretary of state, there's some corruption out of that office uh, and that it runs efficiently and that the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who go through the, the department every month do so without too many obstacles in their way get your license when you need it you know what i'm saying d but in in illinois it's a stepping stone for something else so we all know Janulius is running for his next position you don't think Janulius is going to be secretary of state like jesse white for what 20 years you don't think that d ladies and gentlemen right we're just going to be running have another one of these things i guess that's democracy so i should stop complaining Janulius, $4 million in his run for Secretary of State. So far, there could be some more coming. The other Democrats running for Secretary of State, Chicago City Clerk Anna Valencia, has about $820,000 yeah, $820, on hand. And Alderman David Moore, about $105,000 on hand. Now to the Republicans running for Secretary of State. Republican Dan Brady, who's been endorsed by party leaders across the state, has nearly $300,000 after announcing his bid just six weeks ago. And it looks like we are seeing the first big money move of the year from Illinois' richest man, who just so happens to be a Republican. Yes, I'm talking about Kenny G, Ken Griffin. The enemy is you. Okay, easy, Pritzker. (laughs) But no, Ken Griffin is not the biggest J.B. Pritzker fan. And apparently he can't stand Alexi Janulius either. But Ben, (laughs) this is all part of Ken Griffin's big plan to politically end Governor J.B. Pritzker. Yes, all part of the plan. So far, the plan has uh, been to do absolutely anything but actually run for governor himself. Come on, Griffin. What are you afraid of? News broke this week that a political action committee with support from billionaire Ken Griffin is reportedly backing former U.S. attorney John Milheiser for secretary of state. So 
Here's Griffin's plan. Listen up, Ben. Apparently, his involvement has little to do with the Secretary of State office. Griffin wants to defeat Governor J.B. Pritzker. And if he can do it this year, the Citadel CEO may want to put Milheiser in a strong position to run for governor in four years. He's going for the long haul, Ben. Wow. Where did you read that? It's from the article you sent me online. Oh. (laughs) See what I'm saying, folks? The things I forgot. (laughs) I was the one who sent him the article. Dude, you gotta read this. <laughs> I forgot I sent it to you. Going on today. Now oh it doesn't God, it doesn't say it how much Griffin will give or if he's gave money at all to this guy, but Lee Enterprises and other outlets reported last month that Griffin has agreed to help fund a slate of candidates to, to the tune of two hundred million dollars to three hundred million dollars. A spokesman from Griffin did not immediately return a request for comment. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, I thought the $300 million was to go uh, to the coffers of whichever gubernatorial candidate I was running to defeat Pritzker. I thought that was the number one goal. Uh, I, if you're going to use if the if first of all, it's already fallen from 300 million to 200 million. So apparently uh, Kenny G is wavering on how much he's willing to kick into this uh, effort. And but if you're going to divert even more money to try to get secretary of state. Uh, and what a, what a interesting campaign. So, like, he's already thinking ahead strategically. So he's conceding the gubernatorial race in 2022 in the hopes that his candidate will emerge from a losing effort for Secretary of State to be a four to be a, like a, a leading contender in 2020. Man, that's so complicated, D. That's like really complicated chess. That's not chess. That's like checkers like chess and checkers mixed together so it's even more complicated checkers checkers it's like bridge you ever played bridge no this is one of the hardest games in the world i go oh god i can't this is bridge it's it's so complicated like oh okay here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna finance this guy to run against janulius he'll lose but by running a campaign people remember that name but but what what an insult to them uh, voters of Illinois. Well, I mean, come on. I don't blame them, actually. I mean, it's just low opinion. No one has a lower opinion, voters, of you than the people you elect. I'm just telling you that right now. Yeah, everybody's all, oh, Ben, you're so jaded. You know, I, 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 no one has a lower opinion. What, if, if this is true, this strategy is to promote a losing candidate in the Secretary of State's race in the hopes that people will remember his name in 2026 and go, well, I voted for him once, or I remember him. I'll vote for him. I don't I don't think that strategy is going to work, Dean. I don't think it's going to work. Sorry. Yeah, that's, uh, like I said, a little silly. Hey, dude, just run for governor. And be or be done. Well, you see, I got a four year plan here. And if that like, dude, it's not going to work. What are you doing? Wait, time out. You said that uh, Pritzker had eight homes. I didn't know that. Oh, I don't know. More than likely. Right. Oh, you just made that up. Yeah. Guy has a horse farm. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Just ladies and gentlemen, there's an asterisk next to that comment. (laughs) (laughs) I was like eight homes. I didn't know that. Ronner had eight homes, didn't he? Bruce Ronner. That turns out Pritzker is eight. What is it? Eight. The magic number. You can't go beyond eight. I mean, maybe he has 10. Who knows? He's a billionaire for the love of God. All right. Anything else you'd like to add here on uh, Ken Griffin's plan? Uh, you say it's not going to work. Uh, where do you see him going next here? Uh, any ideas? I, I'm with you. He should run. 
Yeah. You should run. You know, you're putting up all these proxies. They're never going to satisfy you. I mean, uh, yeah, you're just setting yourself up to be upset. Griffin was one of those guys that was uh, generally supportive of Mayor Rahm. You know, like Rauner was supportive of Mayor Rahm. Remember Mayor Rahm and Rauner went wine drinking? Remember that one, D? (laughs) They were in Montana. Rahm and his wife went to visit Rauner and his was ranch in Montana and they're drinking wine picture of them drink holding a bottle. They weren't drinking the wine. They were holding the bottle. So, uh, but then after the teacher strike of 2012, uh, the first showdown between, uh, the Karen Lewis union, uh, and the powers that be in the city of Chicago, uh, Griffin gave a speech, which is just sort of summed up the attitude that the really wealthy people in the state have to the teachers union. Uh, and he just denounced them. And he said, Rob should have closed more schools. So, I mean, you know, you're never going to be happy with these proxies like Rahm Emanuel or Bruce Rauner or Bill Heiser. Run yourself. I think Dennis is right. I've been saying it all along. In fact, don't be surprised if you see a campaign strategist uh, for Ken Griffin, <laughs> Dennis, you know, making that. Kid well, you be- also, I got to give Dennis credit. His instincts are strong. He was the uh, one who said John Catanzaro should move to Florida and he could probably get elected governor. He was also <laughs> the one who predicted, I got to give this guy credit. He also predicted that Darren Bailey would be the front runner. Immediately, he was, immediately when Darren Bailey started talking about not wearing a mask, Dennis said he's going to run. You watch, he's going to run for governor. That young Dennis, he's awfully quiet. He sits back. Doesn't say anything much. Just plays <laughs> with the consoles there on his computer. But... My next Thanks. prediction, I will eat a pizza in three hours. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds like a prediction no, I can get behind. But seriously, uh, Ken Griffin, like, literally, you're the only one who could beat J.B. Pritzker. Without a doubt. I think he could beat him. He's the only one who could stand a chance to beat him. I agree with you that yeah. he can, he's not going to beat him. I don't him, think but, he will beat him, I but, yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't agree. think he could. Uh, JB is a very likable guy, which I that makes me wonder like, what is with the Pritzker suck signs? They hate Pritzker, ladies and gentlemen. It's hard to hate Pritzker, but you know, a lot of people do. Have you taken the JB Pritzker suck signs challenge? All you got to do if you live in the city of Chicago, drive out of the city and see how far you get until you see a Pritzker suck sign. We've had someone see one on Montrose and Elston. Yes. Where will you see a Pritzker suck sign? Uh, and you can send it to uh, BennyJShow at gmail.com if you want. Send us a picture and uh, we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, and if, uh, Dennis will send you $100. Oh, certificate not, not doing that. of your choice. Not doing that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. The Chicago news. All right. The Chicago news. All right. The Chicago. Oh, Ben, I'm sorry. But ever since the news involving the Chicago Teachers Union and the Chicago Public Schools, I just feel like the world is on repeat. That was really subtle. I, didn't know where, I thought you had lost your mind. I think I think Dennis is just having a breakdown. He's just repeating things. But I get it. It was a, it was a, a joke, a gag. No, nope. very well done. Nope. New year. Same news. <laughs> Classes are canceled in Chicago Public Schools Wednesday after the Chicago Teachers Union voted to refuse to show up for in-person work. Mayor Lori Lightfoot blasted the Chicago Teachers Union late Tuesday for the work action, which the union said was endorsed by 73 percent of its members who voted. CTU said it took the step out of concerns about inadequate COVID-19 protections and intends to continue to teach remotely, though it remains unclear. 
if that will happen starting Thursday. As they waited for the outcome of the union vote on Tuesday, Lightfoot CPS CEO Pedro Martinez and Public Health Commissioner Dr. Allison Arwadi held a news conference where they again insisted, despite the current spike in cases, children need to be back in school and that it's relatively safety environment with proper mitigation. Lightfoot also warned teachers who don't show up Wednesday will be placed on no pay status, a move that would likely escalate the dispute. Boy, you aren't kidding. Uh, Lightfoot said, quote, I have to tell you, feels like Groundhog Day that we are here again. Lightfoot said in reference to past strife with the CTU. Uh, she goes on saying there is no bias in the data, the science or common sense for us to shut an entire system down when we can surgically do this at a school level. All right, please uh, don't anybody invoke science in the discussion of the politics of COVID. Uh, everybody invokes science. Uh, and it's so confusing right now. So please don't invoke science because particularly the mayor of the city of Chicago, because you guys have been all over the map when it comes to COVID. And so it's just hard for anybody else to make sense of everything. And really D everyone's freelancing anyway, when it comes to COVID. You know, everybody's kind of like, we're not, we're heading into year two, full two years, heading into year three. We've done two years of COVID and everybody's kind of figured it out for themselves, what they're comfortable with. You know, I mean, it's like, so uh, the latest variant, the the attitude is, well, if, if you've got, if you've been immunized, if you've got the booster, you've been va- vaccinated and you have the booster, then it won't be that bad if you get it. You'll probably get it. There's a good chance you'll get it. Okay. This is sort of the general seat of the pants conclusion that all the non-scientists out there have made. You'll probably get it, but it won't be so bad. So therefore I will one, go to a bar two, go to a restaurant, three, go to a bulls game four, go to a movie. I mean, five, pick your choice. You know what I'm saying? D that's kind of like the attitude of Lori Lightfoot's base. And that attitude was promoted by uh, the Dr. Irwadi, who essentially said at a press conference, which was standing by Lori Lightfoot, that it's like the flu. It's not even, you know, for the kids to get it. So what's the big deal? Which is the, I'm like, whoa, (laughs) open window, throw out window, everything they've been saying about COVID for the last two years. It's worse than the flu. You really have to take certain precautions. You have to guard yourself. Really carefully. It's like this existential threat. Well, now the existential threat is gone. So what? What does that mean? Teachers should just go back to school without any protections? Is that it? I mean, well, at the same days, the newspapers are filled with stories that completely contradict this sort of seat of the pants view of COVID. There's an article in the paper. All police. It's the same Beloved Bright One. I mean, you know what? And I'm going to say this about my beloved Bright One and the Tribune, all the newspapers. They make no attempt to be consistent within a certain day. You ever notice that, D? Like, they'll have one article that completely contradicts another article. So, like, the article about whether the school should be open, they got Arwadi saying, this is not a problem. Just shut up and go back to school. So what if you get it? And then you got an article in which the police are saying, All days off will be canceled automatically this weekend. Why? Because so many police officers have COVID that there's not enough police officers to go around. 
So we're going to make the police officers who don't have COVID go out and perhaps expose themselves to COVID. But don't worry about it in the schools. I'm trying to make sense of it, D, from my little attic where I live in fear, you know? And I'm like, should I live in fear? Or is that fear like a 2020 thing? And then there's the real sophisticated uh, COVID explainers who tell you that each time we have an outbreak, there's the possibility that another variant emerges that will be more dangerous than the one we have now. So really what we're doing when we tell caution people not to get COVID and spread COVID is to try to prevent the creation of a new variant that will even be more dangerous, an existential crisis that we haven't even imagined. And you would presume that Dr. Arwadi and Lori Lightfoot would be cognizant, oh, that's a nice word, of this nuanced interpretation of COVID. But uh-uh, they want those schools open. Get in those schools. And then you got the parents, D. Oh, my God. Who are so mad. And I don't blame them. I mean, I called it yesterday. I was interviewing Carlos, virtual education. And he goes, Ben, it's remote education. You know, remote learning, remote schools. But it's like virtual. I, if Listen, I struggle in school anyway. But if, if you made me do school through a Zoom conference, D, I wouldn't have learned a damn thing. So I'm with all the parents and all the kids. This is the big, it's like not even close to school. It's a joke. I'd be like, if I would be, you know, I know what I would be doing. I'd be reading about the bulls. So yeah, I'm with the parents. I mean, I understand. What They realize that their kids are going to fall further behind. Kids belong in schools. We all know this. This is Monroe's big point. He keeps saying this. Kids belong in schools. Yeah. <laughs> then Monroe was smart enough to apparently. Monroe should be the health commissioner. Because then he goes on to say something that the health commissioner doesn't say. But teachers are another situation. They could get it. They could pass it on. Yeah. To their family. I can see it now. Monroe Anderson is health commissioner. Excuse me. Uh, health <laughs> commissioner, you said eating isn't cheating. What does that mean? Like food? <laughs> Commissioner Anderson. So it's you make sense of this, D. Just try to make sense out of what the new attitude. And you know, let's face it; it's uh, politically driven. Who are we kidding? The Democrats realize, you know, shutting down the economy, shutting down the school—that's not working anymore. That's 2020 stuff. We got to just move on. That's where we're at, D. We're moving on. All right. <laughs> the teachers union says, no, we want protections in that. We want them guaranteed. We want them in now. It's, so, it's such a classic teachers union CPS fight. Right. And here it is literally like one year later. It's, it's, it's the same it's, exact you know, argument kind of right. You, you got to negotiate to like the issue of this is the one that the issue of the masks. The teachers say, we need masks in the school. And uh, after like a week of negotiation or so, whatever, two weeks, I have no idea. I can't remember how many weeks it was. Uh, Pedro Martinez says, all right, we agree. We'll get you masks. Wait a minute. You, you had a, that had to be a concession in a negotiation to have a mask. 
I thought masks were like rule number one. They were all supposed to follow. I thought when the teachers went back to school, there should have been like masks everywhere. <laughs> Kid doesn't bring his mask. You know, when you go to the airport, D, I know you haven't been in an airport in a while. Oh, no, you were you went to Cali. Cali. What am I saying? Yeah, yeah. Ago. October. You, if you go to an airport and you don't have a mask, there will be an attendant who comes up to you immediately. Uh, sir, I made it a sir, but let's just say it's a man. Sir, you need a mask. Oh, I forgot it at home. Here, boom, they have a mask. That takes care of that. They give you a mask. So, I don't know. Maybe we should run our schools like airports. Oh, they have them at the gas station. <laughs> but apparently, never occurred to people run the Chicago public schools. All right, I'll tell you what. We will agree, as part of our negotiations with you, we'll make this concession. We will agree to have masks. Chicago Public Schools uh, also announced that they canceled Friday classes as an ongoing standoff uh, with the teachers union here. CPS CEO Pedro Martinez announced late Thursday that buildings will remain closed Friday, except for unspecified small number of schools that will welcome students for activities, but not classroom learning. Uh, that came as CPS and the Chicago Teachers Union filed unfair labor, labor charges against each other, uh, with each side asking state officials to end the current dispute over in-person learning in their favor. Uh, yeah, so classes shut down again today. Yeah, I, I want to tell you, I had a great conversation. I can do two things at once here, promote this weekend's show with David Ferris. Uh, Roosevelt University professor, love talking to him. Every other week we have a conversation about politics. Uh, we actually hadn't talked. We missed a week because he was on vacation. Anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, and he was talking about the dire threat to our uh, democracy uh, that is represented by MAGA uh, and their efforts to set up a system where they will never lose, quote unquote, an election, even if they lose the election. And so he was going at great lengths and explaining uh, the electoral college process. It was a really well done uh, explanation, in my humble opinion. David Ferris is a very smart guy. And uh, in the end, he said, what will be needed, uh, D, this is where it gets appropriate, will be needed a concerted effort by all the uh, entities that are uh, vaguely allied with the Democratic Party, including unions. And we're going to need teachers unions to get on board, too. And he was he was listing all these various entities, unions, teachers union, he mentioned. And I I didn't have a time to interrupt him. Go, do you realize right now that the Chicago teachers union is at battle with the Democratic mayor of Chicago and people are lining up on different sides of this thing and that a lot, a, a large segment of the Democratic Party is totally with Lori Lightfoot uh, on this in this fight with the teachers union. Like you have people, we talked about this with uh, Carlos Ramirez Rossi yesterday, the alderman from 35th Ward, Nate Silvers of the world, David Axelrod's of the world. They're all like, give them hell, Lori. Crush that union. People are saying, what we have to do is crush the union. This is, Democrats are the dumbest group of political people in the world. <laughs> They're like, they would rather beat each other up than defeat Republicans. Republicans are just like, like, they're just openly about winning every election they can by any means necessary, cheating, rewriting rules, what have you. You don't see Republicans fall in line. They're all falling in line with Donnie Trump. They go, well, that's where the voters are. We're going with him. Democrats want to prove to voters that somehow or other they're open-minded by beating up on the most loyal 
factions of the Democratic Party. Okay. And oh. don't get the Democrats at all, Dr. D. Well, you know, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. But maybe this week's interview between Dr. Allison Arwadi and Don Lemon on CNN <laughs> can maybe change your mind. Maybe you can, you know, jump on uh, the other side of the fence here. So let's uh, take a listen here. Uh, Shout out to CNN for the audio. For the love of God, please don't sue us. Uh, I talked with Allison Arwadi. So happy that you're here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. More than 340,000 kids are going to be out of the classrooms tomorrow. They're out today and in your city. I know you're not happy about this. I'm not. You know, I'm disappointed that this is where we are. I know we are in the middle of a big COVID surge. It's important that we do the things that we know work. But what we've seen over and over again is that with the appropriate protocols in place, schools are not major sources of transmission of COVID. They don't drive outbreaks. And we've seen Chicago public schools, just like our non-public schools in Chicago, do a good job of implementing those. So we know people are worried. We just want to get back. We, we played it just before the break where you said that we don't shut down schools for the flu. We shouldn't be um, they shouldn't be shut down now. Can you give us a reality check on the spread of covid in schools? Yeah, I can. So, you know, and this is where my team has been looking at this. We looked at how many children in a typical year are hospitalized with the flu in Chicago. It's comparable to what we're seeing with how many children are hospitalized with COVID. Uh, We looked in addition at what's happening to fully vaccinated, especially and boosted adults. That is not who is being hospitalized with COVID or getting seriously ill by and large in the city of Chicago. And in that setting, we compare that with the data that where we had our public schools out of school earlier in COVID and we have the largest private school district right here in Chicago in person, the comparison between those for months, the risk of COVID was lower for both kids and staff who were in person in school with mitigations. Well, that's the message uh, that uh, Lori Lightfoot's team has been uh, uh, emitting for the last uh, week or so. Uh, And the key point is with proper mitigations in place. And like I said, they didn't have masks in place. So I don't know uh, if the the arts, the the Catholic schools do a better job. uh, And maybe really, you know, uh, ultimately it doesn't matter because this particular strand of COVID, as I said, is not an existential threat. I think that's what most people have concluded. Um, But They've done a really lousy job of working with the Chicago Teachers Union. And this goes back to what I was talking about with Bobby Rush, regarding Bobby Rush. It's just like the Chicago Teachers Union is Lori Lightfoot's enemy, and they're going to treat them. She's going to treat them like enemies. And so it's really hard for a guy like Don Lemon to, like, know that. You have to, like, be in Chicago to, to appreciate that, like the depth of hostilities between the Chicago Teachers Union and Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Like, it's just incapable. It's impossible to imagine Lori Lightfoot reaching out on a personal level to a Jesse Sharkey or Stacey Davis Gates and saying, look, this is what we, what do we need? What do you need from us to assure you that these school, the schools will be safe? It's just impossible to imagine. Just saying it, I feel, 
it's like so naive to even think it. What it's going to be is a group of bargainers in a virtual bargaining room driving each other crazy <laughs> with proposals, counterproposals. So Don Lemon's trying to like view the world like a rational human being. And, and, and Arwadi fits into that worldview. You know what I'm saying, Dave? Well, this is the science tells us this. The science tells you you should wear masks. Where are masks available to all kids and teachers? How about the science says that if you test positive, you shouldn't go in the classroom. Were you capable of testing of all the kids? Remember you sent out the tests? Were you capable of evaluating those tests? No. So it's sort of like there's a world, a rational, logical world out there that Don Lemon exists in. And then there's the insane world, the inept world of Chicago. And he's like applying the rules of a sound, logical world to an irrational world. Doesn't really work, in my humble opinion. Thank God. Science is back, baby. Uh, thank God science is back. Just in time to have Lollapalooza. Just in time to open the schools. So you want me to play more from Don Lemon and uh, Allison Arwadi? Oh, sure. Why not? What else you got? No, I'm not playing more. I'm not playing more. <laughs> and by the way, this has been great uh, for uh, Don Lemon's outreach to MAGA. Because MAGA is a big supporter of Lori Lightfoot in this fight. You know, MAGA hated Don Lemon. I don't know if you know that. And they're always, oh, Lemon. I get these emails. Lemon once again. Don Lemon. <laughs> but that, now that Lemon's on your side, MAGA. Uh, you know, with the fight against the teachers union, the all important fight against the Chicago teachers. Union. That's it. You know, our Republicans try to overtake Congress, throw out all the rules and regulations governing an election, but we'll crush that Chicago teachers union. Yes, we will. And I feel like I got to ask it, you know, uh, cause I mean, we've been here before we've seen it. Uh, I feels like really that's too early to tell and, more than likely not, but do, we're not going to see another teacher strike, right? No. Well, tech, I mean, Lori Life would say this is Lori Life. To be fair, <laughs> look at this. I'm like Don Lemon now. Uh, both sides of the story. Lori Life says this is a strike. Lori, this is how she viewed this. Is, so here's what the teachers union passed a resolution saying they would go to uh, remote learning uh, until at least January 18th or uh, until various metrics had been reached in terms of the, the number of people who uh, have COVID uh, in the city of Chicago. And, uh, and so Lori Lightfoot's assertion is, well, we're, we didn't agree to that. We didn't agree to remote learning. So she's not giving them access to the computers so they have remote learning. You're supposed to report to the classroom. I'm not recognizing your resol resolution. It'd be like if Dennis were to say to me, you know, I, I'm the boss of the Ben Trotsky Show universe. Uh, ben, um, I am not going to do remote uh, podcasting anymore. I'm coming over to your house. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Ding dong. Hello. I mean, it's happened and, before. Uh, yes. We did about six months of that. Uh, not that much. It was um, four, three four months, three. Uh, anyway, so, you know, she's just a no. 
you got to go to the schools. And they go, well, no, we're going to do it remotely. To her, that's a strike. So we are in a, uh, from Lori Lightfoot's perspective, we're in a strike. From the Chicago Teachers Union perspective, it's a lockout. All I know is that schools have closed because there's a labor dispute in the city of Chicago. Uh, and parents are losing their freaking minds, not knowing what to do with their kids. And um, it's been this way. Uh, lousy relations. And, you know, I mean, just think back to the, the actual strike of 2019 where they voted to go on strike. The teachers did. Uh, remember, Lori, like it was the issue came down the matter of uh, nurses, social workers and counselors and the school. Lori Lightfoot's attitude, yeah, we'll get around to doing that, but you, when we're ready to do it, now shut up and get in that classroom. You know what I mean? It's like they supposedly agree on everything, but you can't make me do it, so I'm not going to do it. I'll do it when I'm ready to do it. I, I kind of don't believe that she would do it anyway. Any of that made sense. So, you know, you're Don Lemon. Where is Don Lemon? He's in New York or something like that? Yeah. Trying to make sense of this. And we're all like, wait a minute, they're all Democrats, right? They're all part of our constituency that would listen to CNN. So I'm going to have a Wadi on. <laughs> and he treats her Wadi, you know, like, well, she's a reasonable doctor. Not like the doctor in Florida. Uh, DeSantis's doctor. Have you seen this guy? <laughs> Don't wear masks. Things get any worse. Lori Lightfoot's going to hire that guy. <laughs> you know, it's just like the flu. And then Lemon's nodding. It's just like the flu. Just like the flu. If it's just like the flu, why are we all wearing masks? You know, we don't wear masks for the flu. If it's just like the flu, let's get rid of masks. Joe Rogan was right. Big boy was right, Darren Bailey. If it's just like the flu, there's a great message for our health commissioner. Don, it's just like the flu. And Don's like nodding his head. Sounds good to me. CTU President Jesse Sharkey, you have the final word. I, um... What's that? Right now, um... (laughs) Ah, Sorry, couldn't hear you. Uh, And uh, finally... Our first mayoral challenger? That's not correct. Well, actually, yes, it is correct, Mayor. The following comes from WGNTV.com. Apparently, former U.S. Education Secretary and Chicago Public Schools boss Arnie Duncan is considering a new job title, Mayor of Chicago. Former President Barack Obama's first education secretary declined an interview with WGN News, but has spoken in the past about the violent crime engulfing the city of Chicago. While Duncan has previously ruled out a run for mayor, his spokesman says the 57-year-old Chicago native is now thinking about taking on incumbent Lori Lightfoot in the 2023 election. Yes, I did. It say who the spokesman was? Well, we'll get to that in moments. But been your initial thoughts on uh, oh, this news? I was wondering if the spokesman was Peter P.C. Cunningham. Um, I'm not surprised. I'm sure a lot of people are urging Arnie Duncan uh, to run. Uh, it's pretty clear to me. God, just talking about this, I'm doing Obama. I'm um, uh, Arnie Duncan. Uh, is a good man. Uh, was uh, head of the education department in the Obama administration. So you know, I'm not surprised at all. And uh, Arnie Duncan and I have been on the opposite side of pretty much every political issue uh, during the daily years when he was uh, the head of uh, CPS. But uh, I've really come to respect the work he's done since he came back to Chicago. Uh, and uh, PC, Peter Cunningham's been on the show several times. I should reach out to him. 
because I, I think Peter's a pretty shrewd guy when it comes to talking about crime issues. And Dunk, uh, Duncan wrote an essay in the the uh, the Tribune. Well, it was under his name. Maybe Pete wrote it, but whatever. Uh, and can I promote another weekend show, D? Go for it, buddy. Uh, the, uh, the great Mick Dumkey. Uh, did a, I had a conversation with Mick, and it's dropping this uh, Saturday, I want to say. And we talked about this. And uh, Arnie Duncan was championing many of the themes that Mick Dumkey has been writing about for years about the culture of retaliation in Chicago. And it's really like a cultural issue like we have to deal with. And it's not just people shooting each other in the streets. It's a political retaliatory. That's what's going on right here with Lori Lightfoot. Oh, you said that about me? I'll hit you right back. Except for Bobby Rush. She made up with Bobby Rush. That's interesting. Uh, so I, I respected a lot of the, the ideas he put forth in that uh, column. And uh, Mick and I talked about it. I urge everybody to check out that uh, interview. And immediately, boy, and did Lori Lightfoot hit <laughs> in the Sun-Times today. There was a story about it. Fran Spielman wrote it. And she went to Lori Lightfoot for comment. Lori was just, oh, he just started. She, I mean, Lori Lightfoot is like really sometimes sounding like MAGA, D. She started talking about how he's a defund the police, sir. Sounds like defunding the police to me. Because Arnie Duncan is saying that instead of spending money on uh, more police officers, we should spend more money on rec like reconciliation issues, uh, officers, people who go on the community, try to uh, build peace, make peace, so that people don't settle their differences by shooting each other. And she said, that sure sounds like to fund the police to me. And I'm like, hmm, that sure sounds like MAGA to me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I'll be watching this one. Uh, the, uh, I, I don't know if Arnie Duncan, Arnie Duncan's never run for office, you know, but he's a competitive guy, played basketball. So maybe he'll get into uh, the sheer competition of a uh, Lori Lightfoot had never run for office either when she ran for mayor. So I guess that's the new thing, huh? <laughs> Have no experience in politics, run for the highest office in city. It's kind of the, the new thing. Huh? Yeah. You hear uh, that Ken Griffin? Trump. You hear that Ken Griffin? <laughs> and it worked for Trump. And JB, for that matter. Bruce Rauner. And Bruce Rauner. Oh, my God. The list goes on, on, and on, and on. What's that song, D? On and on. I think it's called On and On. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that song. So. so what are the chances that uh, we see Arnie Duncan in that, what will soon become a gigantic list of people running for Chicago mayor? I, I think he uh, I think it's a very good chance we'll see him run. I do believe that. I believe a lot of people are people are urging him to run, uh, and whether he can win, I don't know. I have a friend that will remain anonymous, a political junkie, texts me every day. We have these uh, text exchange, really shrewd. Uh, I'm trying to get him to come on the show, and he's like, oh, I don't want. I just want to text you. Um, and uh, so he was right. Right now, who would win? And it was like in the race with Stacey Davis Gates, Lori Lightfoot, and Arnie Duncan, and I forget who the fourth one was. Oh, LaShawn Ford. And, you know, I just think about the variables. There's just so much unknown, you know? Like the, here we are in 2022, so the election would not be for another year. So much will change. It's, you know, I, hard to imagine. Uh, it's, it's, it's just hard to, to, to figure out how everything that happens is going to work for each advantage, the advantage of any of these candidates. But Arnie Duncan just kind of, I guess this is the idea of saying, all right, how many people really support me? You know what I'm saying? Like how many people are going to commit money? How many people are going to commit public support? That kind of stuff. All right. And before we put a button on it here, any names, any 
possible candidates at all that you see running for mayor? Oh, the the big four uh, that I just named: Arnie Duncan, Stacey Davis Gates. Okay. We know those. Lori Lightfoot and LaShawn Ford, who any, ran last time state it, rep. Any dark horse candidates? Any anybody who you know we may be surprised by? Anyone you're thinking about? Like, I bet that person's going to run for mayor. Oh my God! The ones I gave you aren't good enough. Jeez! Oh God! This guy's standards are hard. All right, here we go. Dark horse candidate. Ken Davis. <laughs> I just got a kid. I'd vote for him think. in a heartbeat. You would vote. I vote for him too. Uh, I vote for Ken Davis in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Uh, but no, I can't think of right now anybody uh, that because those 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 candidates I mentioned ha- occupy certain lanes. You get what I'm saying? And uh, so Stacey Davis Gates is the progressive. I don't even lefties. I don't know what we call ourselves these days. What about Brandon uh, Johnson? Well, then the issue is if Brandon Johnson runs, Stacey's not running. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, they yeah, come yeah. from the same movement. For sure. So Brandon Johnson would be a candidate if Stacey Davis Gates decides not to run. Somebody's got to fill that lane. You get what I'm saying? And uh in the last election, what happened was that everybody thought Chewy Garcia would fill that lane, and they cut the deal with Rom to r- run for Congress. Remember that? And so suddenly that lane was open. And uh, so then, you know, you got Lori Lightfoot running. In many ways, Arnie Duncan is kind of trying to fill the same lane that Lori Lightfoot had when she ran. So um, I'll tell you, I don't. One name that will not be Tony Preckwinkle will not be running. Again, yeah, I don't think I'm sure about that one. I think it's a bold prediction. Yeah, that's that's, so. uh, Anyway, well, and I think one thing too. I really hope that Neil Salas Griffin runs again because, boy, if that movie would have came out earlier, I mean, I know it can't because of the timeline, but I just think you know, more once people saw that movie, they're like, oh my god, this Neil Salas Griffin guy is really nice. That documentary, you know what I mean? So I really hope he runs again because I think he'd have you know, I don't know, it'd just be nice now seeing the movie and knowing who he is, knowing more about him. I think he may have a better shot, you know? Yeah, City So Real is the name of the movie, and uh, he did uh, come out as a very sympathetic uh, character. Uh, and um, shout out to Steve James, by the way, who made the movie. We did five shows based on that movie, D. We really uh, <laughs> we took the deep dive. By the way, not to change the subject, but to remind everybody, Mick Dumpke. Uh, and David Ferris, uh, our guests for the weekend, and Courtney Sauls have not interviewed her yet. We're really looking forward to her. She's an actress, astrologer, D. So, yeah, the little oh. uh, astrological readings. Oh, going over your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, check out our Benny J bonus interviews uh, this weekend. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J O R A V is in Victory S K Y, or wherever else you download podcasts. Uh, you can send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com. Uh, reach out on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. And we have a phone number, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. I just remember that phone number off the top of my head somehow. But uh, call us, leave us a voicemail. There's a good chance that we will play that voicemail on our program if it isn't like creepy or, you know, things like that. But we would love to hear from you. All right, very good. Great show. And I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Joe Walton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Dr. Allison Awadi, Don Lemon, and Tucker Carlson will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for the marvelous. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mm-hmm.